Are you working? What kind of work do you do? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. From the makeshift studios in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. It's talking ish with your commish. Back off my Euro trip. I feel so refreshed. It's nice to get away. Every now and then you gotta disconnect, recharge the old batteries, and do something fun. Pig out a little bit, drink like an asshole. Like, you gotta do it. You gotta unwind. You gotta disconnect from the world and work and, and the grind of everyday life. And you got to do something for yourself every now and then. And I'm very glad that we went on this trip. I had a great fucking time. Despite some travel mishaps, which I'll get to. I'll tell you all about the trip. Uh, but great fucking trip. Overall, just solid fucking time. Highly, highly recommend um, doing yourself a Euro trip. I know a couple of, uh, couple of the dudes out there have trips planned. Uh, Mark went to Italy. Jake's going to Italy. Also Asia, I think. So it's just, it's it's important that you at least take a vacation, guys. Go out there, recharge a little bit, refresh, and uh, get your dick wet out abroad in a different uh, fucking continent, different country, and have some fun. Um, personally, I haven't been to Europe since, like, I was, like, 17 years old. It's been, like, 13 fucking years. In college, I never studied abroad. Well, maybe one or two. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, Europe's a totally different different animal than the United States. It's the home of weird toilets and funny money. Their money is honestly, it's ridiculous. It's colored weird. But you know what? I'll tell you what. It's a very effective form of currency because you can use it fucking anywhere. Any country you go in Europe, on the euro. Except for maybe London in a few, uh, in a few months or years or however long it takes them to figure out this whole Brexit situation. But Jen and I, you know, we hopped around a little bit. We got to see a couple of different places. We started uh, our tr- our journey at the JFA- at JFK airport watching the fucking Eagles game. So I got to JFK pretty much right when the game started. And I sat at this really fucking shitty bar. Just like the shittiest fucking airport bar I've ever been to. I don't know if you've ever flown out of JFK. Not a great airport. Not a super nice airport. It feels like it's from like the 1940s. Everything's antiquated, bullshit fucking airport. But at least they had one TV. And it happened to be that we were playing on Thursday night and we had the nationally broadcasted game and I could watch the fucking Eagles. Thank fucking God. Great fucking game. Great way to start off the trip, especially the way that the game ended with the interception right there on the goal line. Beautiful fucking stuff. How about going into Lambeau and beating fucking Aaron Rodgers? A-Rodg. Fucking went right into his house and fucking beat his ass. Beautiful stuff. Great way to start the trip. So Jan and I take a, like, midnight flight uh, from JFK. Uh, Slept the whole fucking time. Don't even remember the flight at all. Flew Norwegian, which I've never flown before. Apparently, it's a budget airline. Couldn't tell you. Never fucking saw the light of day because... I fell fucking asleep all the way to Amsterdam, which is where our journey begins. So Jan and I had the layover in Amsterdam. We had about eight hours to kill, which is a a decent amount of time to spend in Amsterdam. So we took our time, walked around the city, 
these motherfuckers love bikes. Like, if you don't have your head on a swivel, you're going to get taken out by a guy on a bike. And it's so funny because they have the, these little bells on the bike that sounds so, like, cute and innocent. But it's basically their version of, like, hey, get the fuck out of the way. I got my bike here. I don't know. That's not really how Dutch people talk. But you get the picture. But Amsterdam's a crazy city because it's very, apparently very liberal because you've got windows where there's just hookers just trying to get you to come in and fuck them. We didn't go to that part because, you know, you know, we don't do that type of stuff here in the Simone household. And, you know, we're a married couple. What are we going to do in the red light district? But what we did take advantage of was the marijuana. And let me tell you, pretty fucking cool to have a city in Europe that you can just go into a, like a bar, basically, order a joint, smoke it up. Right then, there in the fucking place. That's the one thing I think that's missing from legal pot in the U.S. is having an establishment to go to to smoke your pot. Like it's cool and all to like go and buy pot and smoke it in your house, but it's pretty cool to like do it in a social setting. Like all the people that were in there, they're just they bought a joint. You can get spliffs with some nice tobacco in there if you're into that sort of thing. Personally, I'm not because I'm off the tobacco now, as we mentioned in the last podcast. No more dueling. Um. So we went to uh, Damp Crank. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's this cool little like bar, basically. They have alcohol and everything in there. You can get coffee, food, and, and weed. So I got a joint, smoked it to my face, and then just walked around fucking Amsterdam stony baloney the rest of the time, which was nice because, you know, Amsterdam's a cool city with like very vibrant colors, lots going on, people on bikes, and, it, you know, I have a little anxiety when I'm traveling. Because I'm just not a xenophobe, but very weary of other people and their cultures until I start to learn them and figure them out. It takes me a while to get over that kind of initial anxiety, so the weed certainly helped. And uh, after that, Jen and I went to some hole-in-the-wall bar, just went into a bar, and we were like, should we get food? And we're like, eh, it's kind of a seedy place, don't know if I want to order food. Ordered food anyway, and let me tell you. I went, it's basically like a dive bar, but I got one of the best meals on my fucking trip at this fucking dive bar. It was like a cooked chicken, like a whole little Cornish hen with all the fixings and shit. Fucking delicious. Beautiful. So while we didn't have like a full day to spend there, and I really do wish I had some more time to walk around and see like the Anne Frank house and some of the historic shit and get a little bit to the outskirts of the city, check out a couple more of those pot shops. I definitely think Amsterdam is a cool city to check out, especially if you have a layover. If you're going to layover anywhere, fucking Amsterdam's the place to get a layover, right? And you can get laid in your layover if you really wanted to. So if you're traveling in Europe, I highly recommend stopping in Amsterdam. The coolest part, though, to me about Amsterdam is the people. The Scandinavian folk, like the Dutch people and like all the people love cut from that cloth, that Scandinavian-like blood, those are some of the most efficient motherfuckers on the planet. You get to their airport and their security and their airport. It's so clean. Everything is just like moving efficiently. You get right through security. There's hardly any fucking line. It was beautiful. I felt like, you know, I'm like, why is America not able to replicate this? Like, these people are just like, go, 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 go. And it's just effective. But one thing I did notice that I thought was fucking hilarious is at the airport, I'm going through security. And I guess because, like, the EU has this arrangement with all of the countries that are part of it that if you're flying from one European Union country to another, it's basically, like, considered a domestic flight. 
So the security isn't as tight as it would be if you were coming in from, let's say, the U.S. And going into security to go to catch my flight to uh, Venice from Amsterdam, I'm in line, and there's a couple of, you know, Arab fellas either in front of me or behind me. And we're going through security, and I noticed that all the white folk keep their shoes on. And you know in the U.S., when you go through security, unless you have pre-check, you got to take your shoes off. So I'm thinking i got to take my shoes off when I'm going through security, but I'm looking at all these people, and they got their shoes on. So, you know, these Arab folk, uh, I noticed that all of the Dutch employees working there in security are like, they're like, like a white person comes by, and they're like, you go, you go. The Arab guy comes up, shoes off. Immediately, shoes off. They racially profiled every Arab-looking person. Like you wouldn't, I didn't even know if they were necessarily like Arab or some just dark-skinned. But any dark-skinned person, basically, that was Arab-like, they made them take their shoes off, which was just fucking hilarious to me. I just like, I'm like, maybe it's just like a random selection thing, and I'm like, nope. It's like the guy in front of me, Arab shoes off. Guy behind me, Arab shoes off, without fail. Those motherfuckers ruthlessly racially profiled, which, you know, for a very progressive area like Amsterdam, caught me off guard. I actually chuckled to myself right there in the airport, but I did not have to take my shoes off. I got right through security, got on my plane and went off to Venice. Off to Venice we go. And we get into Venice, it's around probably like 11, 1130. Nobody at this Marco Polo airport, which is a hilarious name for an airport, um, I have no idea why they call I don't even think Marco Polo is from Venice, but I'd have to look that up. Too lazy to. But I would suspect that he's probably not. But they named them the airport Marco Polo. And we get into Venice. And the thing is, like, there's Venice, like the part of that city that's on the mainland. And then there's, like, Venice that everybody knows. The, like, enchanting canals and all that shit. So you got to take, like, a ferry or a water taxi from the mainland to Venice, Venice. And at 11.30 at night, there's not a whole lot of fucking options. And the fucked up part is, like, we called our hotel to tell them, hey, we're going to arrive late, expect us late. Is there any way you can get us a water taxi? And they're like, oh, you'll have no problem getting one when you get there. And, of course, we get to the dock, and there's no fucking water taxis. There's not, like, anyone on this dock. There's, like, one fucking black dude who doesn't hardly speaks English just working the, like, booth uh, for the ferries. And he has no idea how to help us. He just keeps pointing like, yes, there's a ferry here. Asshole, like fucking go on the ferry. Which, you know, the ferry is like basically like the public transportation where it's like bus stops, but on the water. And we had planned on taking a water taxi to just get directly to our hotel, which was a little bit out of the way. Because the first night we had to stay outside of like the San Marco area, which is the populated area of Venice. We had to stay on like the northern end of Venice, which is a nice area. Don't get me wrong, but kind of away from the action and, and kind of more of a, a like a local feel. But we had to get the fucking ferry there because there was no water taxis. You couldn't call one. I have international calling and shit the whole time I'm over there, but nobody picks up their phone in Italy. Like these motherfuckers like, hey, they're like, oh, it's uh, time to close the shop. The business is closed because we don't give a fuck about hours or anything like that. We work when we feel like it, which, hey, can't knock it. That's your culture. Go for it. So we take this ferry, and we're, like, asking the ferry driver, because I'm just like, hey, man, how do I get here? And he's like, he, like, laughed. He, like, laughed out loud. He's like, oh, getting there. Oof, good luck, motherfucker. 
you basically had to go we we had to get take a stop in uh i don't remember the name of the island but some island off of venice to catch another ferry which 30 stops later arrives at the you know stop that we needed to go and get off to walk to our hotel so after about an hour and a half ferry ride we arrive at our hotel which is right there on the canal beautiful fucking hotel and we just pass the fuck out and i'm one of those people that when i travel i'm like i'm gonna make the most of everything i'm gonna get up early i'm gonna fucking see everything there is to see and of course the next day we wake up at like fucking noon and we waste like the entire morning but it was we needed it we had been traveling forever really didn't sleep outside of sleeping on a plane which isn't really sleeping and we we go about our little adventure in Venice for the first day. And we decided, like, first day we're going to go to, you know, San Marco. That's what you do. That's, like, the main square. If you've ever seen, like, pictures of Venice or whatever, there's San Marco Basilica. or It's, like, right off the Grand Canal, which is, like, the main hub of this little island that is Venice. Venice is a very, like, it like it really is. Enchanting is the only word I can come up with to describe this city. Like, there's nothing else like it in the world. It's literally built on top of the water, and they utilize every little inch of space on this island. And there's just no, I've never seen a city like it. It's like a floating city. It's just beautiful. And you go to St. Mark's Square, or San Marco as they call it, and us Englishmen call it St. Mark's Square. And the big thing there, I guess, which I didn't know coming into the trip, was that fucking pigeons are everywhere and they're not like new york pigeons where like they scurry when you walk up towards them these motherfuckers like jump on you and jen being the animal lover she is she goes and like she doesn't tell me that this is like the thing to do there because i'm like a fucking naive tourist and i don't fucking know anything she goes and she buys pringles from some store and she just puts them in her hands and all these pigeons like flock onto her like she's like the goddamn lady from home alone and she's like covered on pigeons i'm just like yep not touching you for the rest of the fucking day and then we walk away from san marco and go into like the alleys and start going through the shops and there's this homeless lady standing there and jen just gives her the rest of the pringles and i'm just like that's fucking like you had your pigeon hands all over those pringles and you just are gonna give them to her she's just like wasn't what she uh was expecting but probably what she needed and i'm just like jesus christ is like a fucking pringles commercial all that's missing is once you pop fun don't stop so we walk through uh, all the little alleyways there, and every fucking restaurant in Italy has, like, a hype man outside the restaurant. Just these dudes that are like, hey, man, you come in, you eat, you want to sit down here, I got a table for you. Uh, it's a nice table. You sit here at this table. I got a wine. I got a, I got a pasta. You got a, whatever you want. You want to sit here? Oh, you can sit here. It's at your home. You sit wherever you want. Every fucking restaurant you walk, there's these hype men, and they're trying to pull you in. And we got suckered into, like, the first fucking one we saw. But, it, I mean, in Italy, you can't have a bad meal. So, even the fucking, like, hype man restaurants were fucking legit. So, we did that for a while. Um, and then just got fucking shit-faced the rest of the day. By the end of that day, uh, I'm, like, talking to, like, some fucking Romanian dude pretending to be from Mexico. Because I just thought that would be fun for some reason in my drunken mind. And this guy totally bought it. Because Jen, like, she's pretty good at Spanish. I don't speak a goddamn word of Spanish. Uh, well, that's not true. I'm okay. I get by. But you can definitely tell that I don't know fucking Spanish fluently. For sure. But this guy being Romanian has probably never met a Mexican in his life. So, you know, maybe I kind of look like what he thinks Mexicans might look like. 
And he told, I said like one or two Spanish words and then Jen's speaking Spanish. So he totally bought it. Totally thought we were from fucking Mexico. And Jen got so fucking shit faced that night that uh, she yacked all over the fucking bed. Like everywhere. It looked like a goddamn murder scene. Because when you drink wine all fucking day, you know, when you throw up, it looks like murder. But being the good husband that I am, I cleaned it up so well that in the morning she didn't even know what happened. She didn't know there was a throw up situation until I told her about it. That's how fucking good I am at cleaning shit up. So if you ever get yourself into a situation where, let's say you maybe accidentally murdered somebody, who are you going to call? You didn't call your commission. Because your commission is going to be able to figure out how you clean it up. And funny story about that night. When we went to dinner, we went to some restaurant right on the canal. Fucking great restaurant. If you ever go and you want the recommendation, I, I got it for you. I, I Jen goes to the bathroom as we get seated. So, like, it's just me and the guy who's, like, seating us. And, like... Everybody speaks English in Italy, in, in Europe, but like it's it's broken English a lot a lot of the time in Italy because like they don't give a fuck about you and your problems. They they only learn English because it makes them money. Like they don't give a fuck about American culture or English culture. They want your money and that's why they learn English because they need to. So this guy takes me to the table and it's like a little thing, like a little bench outside, like nothing super fancy. Um he hands me this fucking napkin-looking thing. And I'm like, oh, he wants me to put the napkin on my lap. So I put it on my lap. And then he's like fucking perplexed. Uh, he's like looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. I'm like, what? You gave me the napkin I put on my lap. Like, I'm not a savage. I know I have some fucking decorum. I know that put it on my lap. And he takes it from my lap and he lays it on the table. It was the fucking tablecloth. I put the fucking tablecloth on my lap like a fucking schmuck. Because this guy, you know. I thought that's what I thought that's what we were doing. And this guy looks at me like I'm fucking crazy. And then I feel like a huge asshole and everybody in the restaurant staring at me because they're like, this fucking idiot putting the fucking tablecloth on his lap. Like, And then I started to think about it. And I'm like, yeah, that was probably too big to be a fucking napkin. Come to think of it. And I am kind of a fucking moron. So our next hotel in Venice was actually uh, a lot nicer. It was on, it was like some old palace um I'm pretty sure this place is going to be like gone in a few years because it's it's on the San Marco side of the island. And when we got there, like the first the entire first floor was underwater. They don't even use the first floor anymore because it's just constantly underwater. Because the fucking city is apparently sinking or whatever they whatever they say about Venice. So this place is fucking beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's got great views. But now I'm starting to feel the effects of my like travel problems. And if you've ever traveled with me, you probably know. Every time I travel somewhere, I always have a problem with shitting. I just can't shit. No matter what I do, I could eat, like, fucking garbage. I could eat exclusively dairy products, drink nine coffees, no fucking shit. And it's bizarre. It's like my shit doesn't exist. And, you know, for the first few days, or the first two days that we were there, I didn't shit. And that's very, very unusual for me. I shit like twice a day. No fucking joke. I shit like twice a fucking day, every single day, without fail, if not more shits. Like if I've been drinking the night before, whatever, usually, I take like five shits that day. And they're never satisfying. Like it's five like drunken like... It's like a dubstep song in the fucking toilet type shits. And I hadn't shit in two fucking days. And I'm starting to get concerned. Because, you know, it's not normal to not shit for two fucking days. Especially considering the fact that I'm eating a lot. I'm eating gelato. I'm eating fucking meat. I'm eating all kinds of shit that should make shit. And I'm not shitting. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and eat my little 
drinking my coffee, eating biscuit, and uh, I farted. And I'm not kidding you. Probably like good, like <laughs> a good like toilet bowl worth of shit came out. I like shit my pants right there in that square, and I'm like, Jen, I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, the smell wafts up, and <laughs> right in your face. And I shit myself right there. I had to go back to the hotel, clean myself up. But you know what? These these fucking Italians, they may not have figured out the toilet. Because every fucking toilet in Europe is so thin and doesn't fit a fat American ass like mine. But what they do have are bidets. And let me tell you something. The bidet is a saving grace. You take a shit and then you go bidet yourself. Because who wants to walk around with a poopy butthole? So when you shit your pants in the middle of a square in this beautiful enchanting city... And you go home in shame. The one saving grace that you have is that you can bidet yourself. You don't have to take a shower, a full-fledged shower. You just bidet yourself. The one strange thing, though, is that in every, like, hotel we stayed at, they had a bidet, but they also had, like, butt towels. Like, towels specifically for the bidet. And I don't know, like, I wasn't raised with a bidet. I don't know the decorum of, of using a butt towel. Do I go in the a-hole do i like dig in there with the butt towel or is it just for like you know a little dab dab of the crack dab of the dab of the taint so i cleaned myself up we enjoyed our few last night or day day and night in venice um we're eating lunch at some cool cafe just getting a quick bite to eat having a glass of wine just watching the canal and guess what happens i don't shit my pants again but a fucking pigeon Pigeons, who I thought were my friends, after we fed them Pringles and all that stuff, a fucking pigeon drops a fucking shit on me. So then I got to go back to the hotel, clean myself up once more. Um, but don't worry, things got better from there. I had a, a great dinner at this great local place where you went and the lady was just such a fucking miserable cunt. And that's how you know it's good. If the lady is miserable to you and really doesn't want you to eat there, you know that place is going to be good. And it was. It was fantastic. It's just they like Italians. They don't want Spanish people, American, British. doesn't matter where you come from. If you're not Italian, they don't like you. But that's okay. I can deal with that. I don't give a fucking shit. I don't really like you either. And then after that, we got gelato. It was my first gelato of the trip. This place, Susu. If you're ever in fucking Venice, you got to go to Soso or Suso. However the fuck you say it. Fantastic gelato. And the very last thing I did in Venice before we headed off on our way is uh, I wanted to get something to capture the enchanted nature of the, uh, the event that they held, hold there, Carnival, because we kept seeing all this shit for Carnival. It's like their big party every fucking year. I think it's sometime in January, February. I could be completely wrong on that. Don't really give a fuck. Fact check me. Uh, but basically, Carnival, or Carnival, whatever they fucking call it, they wear these goofy masks, and I saw one of them. It's a Plague Doctor mask, which is uh, pretty fucking cool looking. Got it. Hopefully, this woman isn't shady, and she didn't rip me off because I had her ship it to me, which I'm a little fearful of. Because uh, she could have just been like, oh, yeah, I ship it to you. No problem. And then she just took my money. But don't worry. I'll check in. I'll find that cunt if she doesn't ship me my mask. But next time you're in the office, you'll, you'll see it. It's going to be a big focal point here in the office. It's a pretty fucking cool mask. So from Venice, we went to uh, back to the Marco Polo Airport, which is a fucking great airport, by the way. Very clean, very modern, very sleek. Uh, lots to do there, too. And we had a little bit of time to kill because we got there early because the whole water taxi thing. We didn't know how early we had to get there. And, you know, I'm starting to look around at all these Italians, and I see just, like, so much fucking herpes. Like, these Italians got such herp, dude. 
And it's like you got to watch. You got to have your fucking head on a swivel. You don't want to, like, pick up the wrong glass or maybe uh, you're going to get fucked with some fucking herpes, which is gross. The other thing is uh, these Italians and these Europeans mostly are um, they don't have, like, airplane etiquette. You know how when you get off an airplane, it's like you you board the airplane like a fucking zoo. But when you get off the airplane, it's the front row leaves first, followed by the second, followed by the third, followed by the fourth, and you wait for the person in front of you in the row in front of you to leave before you go off. Not in Europe. In Europe, it's a goddamn free-for-all. The motherfucker from the back of the plane sprints to the front the minute the fucking plane lands and takes the seatbelt off, even though they tell you like nine times, hey, keep your seatbelt on until we pull into the fucking like uh, taxi place. And these motherfuckers just are like jumping over each other to get off the goddamn plane. I can't tell you how many fucking Euro motherfuckers with fanny packs tried to cut me in the line. And if you know anything about me, I've said it on this podcast before, and nothing drives me more insane than people with poor plane etiquette. And you know, Jen's exact, she's the same way. So as motherfuckers are trying to like get past this, I literally put my arm into the aisle and I'm just like, nah, not today, motherfucker. Don't give a fuck what you say about me and your stupid language. I don't even know what it means. doesn't mean shit to me, but you're not going in front of me, motherfucker. You're going to wait your turn like everybody else. And it's not everybody. I shouldn't generalize, but I'd say 50% of motherfuckers on planes from Europe are going to try to cut you in that line. They don't give a fuck about you. It's all about them. That was just my little tidbit on that. So we fly from Venice over to uh, Naples, which uh, my mother-in-law likes to refer to as the Bronx of Italy because it's a fucking dump. Um, but don't worry, didn't stay too long in Naples. Took a fucking cab right to Positano, which I'm pretty sure is Italian for steps and sweaty ass because that's all you're going to experience your entire time in Positano. It's a fucking city on a cliff. Beautiful, picturesque place. Great fucking city. Lots of fun. But goddamn, are there a lot of steps. There was actually a point in time when my iPhone, I had my iWatch or Apple Watch, whatever the fuck you call it, on my wrist. And my Apple Watch started yelling at me like, Brent, you're not normally this active. Are you okay? This is the most you've ever fucking walked in your life. Are you going to be all right? You going to be all right, hon? We're just checking on you. Thanks. Good, good looking out, Apple. Because I'm pretty sure at some point I felt like I was going to fucking die. But when I first got to Positano, the thing that struck me is, like, you walk down these narrow fucking streets down a cliff to get to the beach, and motherfuckers are just whipping by on scooters and cars, and you are like, this is fucking dangerous. How do people not die here? But those people seem to have it figured out. And old people are walking around this city better than I am, but, you know, whatever. You figure it out as you go, and honestly, the more time you spend in Positano, I think the more you begin to like it. Um, We did a beach day. Positano got to go in the water relax a little bit which is unusual for Brent and Jan vacation we're kind of go 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 all the time we got some beach time which meant uh you know Europeans and speedos which hey I'm in Europe I'm in your country I got no problem with that you want to wear your speedo but however um what I do have a problem with is guys who wear speedos that don't cover everything like it's one thing if you just got your banana hammock and like yeah I can see everything the outlines there and blah 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 but if your fucking nut sack and your pube sack is hanging out the bottom of your Speedo, you probably have the wrong size, my friend. Like, I don't, nobody wants to see the bottom of your nuts. It's not like under boob. Under boob's hot. Under nut, not. The other thing I noticed there, which, I mean, it's strange to me just because it's not how, I mean, I don't know that we do that in America. I think it's a European thing. But the little girl's walking around with no top on. And Jen's like, it's not that weird. Like, it's weird that they would wear a top. And I'm like, that's actually an interesting philosophical debate. Like, because it all has to do with the sexualization of children, which I know is a weird topic to bring up on a podcast, but 
you know, is it sexualizing a child more if they're wearing a bathing suit top because the breasts and all, or is it sexualizing them more to not have a top? I don't know. I really don't have an opinion, and it's not really something I want to continue to talk about, so let's move on. Jen and I uh, that night had a reservation at this place called La Tagliata, which is up in Monte Portuso, up in the cl- very... So, like, Positano is a cliff, and we stayed at the top of the cliff overlooking the beach. The- Monte Portuso is, like, the cliff overlooking the place that I was. So it's even fucking higher up. And when you look from, like, the beach up, like, it's the very top point you can see. And at the very top of that cliff, is there, there's this restaurant. There's two of them, actually, La Tagliata, and then um, another one uh, I just fucking can't remember the name of right now, but we went to both, and both were phenomenal. But La Tagliata had this great, like, deal. You pay 90 bucks, and it's like it's like a fam- it's like a really cool fucking restaurant, number one, but it's like a family that just cooks for you. It's like little Nona. You see her back there in the kitchen just making everything, and it's like 500 fucking courses, a bottle of wine, all for 90 bucks, and you just pretty much eat until you fucking like they roll you back down that hill and then you're off on your way but the thing about that night that stood out is uh you know i'm i'm kind of awkward sometimes you know i i bring up things i probably shouldn't i say things that are stupid and make people feel uncomfortable and we're at the bar um talking to the bartender before our meal and i notice on his name tag he's his name's luciano and i'm like that's a fucking cool name i'm gonna tell him that i'm like yo that's a cool name bro luciano and he looked at me like i was fucking crazy and he's like, why? I'm like, it's because it's like masculine, you know, like Lucky Luciano. And he's just even more fucking puzzled and looking at me like I'm fucking weirdo creep. And uh, yeah, I kind of, uh, I probably should just shut my mouth when it comes to like uh, commenting on people's names, especially other men. Uh, not prob- Probably not a good idea. Ill-advised, I'd say. The other weird thing in Positano that I noticed is that in every shop, they have these giant pots and it's, uh, it's like a black dude's face. It's like a black face pot. And it's not like a black dude, like, you know, like fucking Takembe Matumbo is a black dude. It's like black face. It's, it looks like a white dude with black face makeup on, but it's a face and it's a pot. You put shit in it. Like you would like put a plant in there. And I'm just like, why is this everywhere? Are Italians just fucking racist? And they're just like, think it's funny to grow shit out of black dudes heads. Uh, so I went into one of the shops. I'm like, can you tell me what the fuck this this pot means? I'm seeing it everywhere. And she got so excited that I asked that question. And she starts to tell us the story about what the, like the origin of this pot, because apparently like, there's this whole backstory to it. And it goes like this. There was this Italian woman. I don't know where she lived, but she fell in love with, uh, you know, like the, the, the Africans that used to live in Italy were merchants there. And she fell in love with one of them. And you know, they were involved, they were in love, it was so great, and then she found out that he had a family back in Africa. Well, she didn't take too fucking kindly to that, she wanted him all for herself, and she cut his fucking head off, and then she's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna plant basil in his head, and she put her basil plant in his head, in his fucking skull, and she put it on her porch, and all the people from the town would walk by and see this fucking head, and they'd think it was like this beautiful ornate pot. And they were like, wow, that's a great pot. That's a great idea. Like, maybe I should make myself one of them. And they started making it out of ceramic because ceramic's the big thing in Positano. Bought a shit ton of ceramic laws out there, by the way. Um, but everybody's now making these ceramic pots of this black guy's fucking head. And they're all putting their basil in it. And thus the legend was born. So, uh, pretty much, moral of the story is uh, no matter how much you piss off abroad, 
at least you didn't cut your fucking head off and grow basil out of it. So after uh, our a couple of days in Positano, we took a ferry ride over to Capri, which is like an island off of Positano. Beautiful fucking island. Um, again, like a fucking town built into a giant fucking mountain cliff thing. I don't even know what you call it. This giant rock. And the big thing there is they've got these grottas, these caves. So you, uh, we did a boat ride, which if you'll remember my last experience on a boat in Puerto Rico, what happened... Started to get a little bit sick, but don't worry. I held it together. Jumped off the boat a few times. Made me feel a little bit better. Got to see all the grottos, the blue grotto, all that great stuff. I'll be honest. Capri's not my fucking favorite place because it's a little bit uh, hoity-toity. A little huh, if you will. There's lots of, like, expensive shops. And, you know, me and Jen just weren't feeling it. And, like, I'm pretty... I'm so glad that we only decided to stay a night there because, you know, not my cup of tea. We ended up, funny enough, in a fucking dive bar called Mr. Billy's which was the only dive bar I think on this entire island because it's all like high-end shit but Mr. Billy's like these guys hardly spoke English and I'm sitting at the bar and I I ordered a Manhattan this motherfucker brings me back Campari and Aperol mixed with vermouth and I'm like I take one sip of it and I don't know if you've ever had Campari or Aperol to kind of have a similar taste it's just like licorice ass fucking disgusting and I'm just like, oh, man, we're off to a bad start here. So then I ordered espresso martini. Oh, holy shit. This motherfucker hooked it up. It was like Jimbo's, but not as good because Jimbo makes the best still to this day. But pretty fucking close. Pretty fucking close to a Jimbo martini. Um, and then things got a little interesting from there because all these motherfuckers were watching, uh, I guess it's the Champions League. I don't know. One of these soccer things. I tried to look it up while I was there. Soccer is the most confusing fucking sport in the world. They've got like nine different leagues. Every country has a league. Every one of them is apparently like the league to watch. And then they all play in a thing where some of the league's champions play each other and you don't know who the fuck is who. And all the people are from different countries, even though they're playing for a team from one country. It's fucking confusing as hell and I can't figure it out. But that doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. So I'm sitting there watching soccer with all these fucking Italians. I'm pretty sure it was their team. I'm pretty sure it was like Naples or something that was playing. I guess that's their squad. And uh, I'm looking at the menu, and I'm noticing that there's a whole fucking Thai menu. And I'm like, why is there a fucking Thai menu in an Italian island? It doesn't make any sense. These guys don't even fucking speak English. Why do they have a fucking Thai menu? So I asked the guy. I'm just trying to like ask him, like, yo, why do you have a Thai menu? And he just looks at me, and he's like, um, uh, he's trying to, like, find the words to say it. And he's like, one second. He goes into the kitchen, and he just grabs the cook, and he brings her out, and he just points to her. And she's like, oh, sawadika, sawadika, which is Thai for, uh, like, hello or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you got a Thai cook. <laughs> well, yeah, why wouldn't you? That makes fucking sense. So we ordered the Thai food at the fucking Italian place, at the Italian dive bar in this beautiful island. And let me tell you something. It's the best Thai food I've had since Thailand. Authentic as fuck. I still don't know why they have a Thai cook. She may be like a slave for all I know. Fire fucking meal. One of the best meals on the trip, despite the fact that it wasn't anything to do with Italy. Side note, Thai people are the fucking coolest Asian people out there. They're like the Puerto Ricans of Asia. They're just like laid back, chill, and cool. Um, I'll tell you who's not, though, from Asia is the Chinese. If you're going to come across Asian tourists, like the Koreans and the Japanese, they're annoying because they get in your way. They have very little self-awareness, but at least they're polite. The Chinese tourists 
are unaware of everything they're doing. They'll stop and fucking take a picture of you. They'll take a video of a fisherman putting a net together, like, right up in his face. And they're the most rude motherfuckers on the planet. I watched a Chinese dude smoking a cigarette, literally, like, throw it in. He, like, I felt like he, like, purposely threw it into a pile of trash. And it started to, like, smolder. And then he, he was just, like, laughing his ass off. He thought it was, like, the funniest thing ever. They're disgusting. They're fucking disgusting. And I don't care if, like, you can call me racist or whatever. Fucking go travel anywhere in the world. There's going to be Chinese tourists because there's so many of those motherfuckers. They are the rudest motherfucking tourists out there. Hands down. They make Americans look like the gold standard of tourism. You know, these Chinese people are fucking scum. They're trash. They're garbage. It's like they've never fucking left uh, like, uh, like a dumpster in their entire life. Like they live their life in a goddamn dumpster. That's how they treat. That's how they treat every other fucking place they go. Just terrible. So after our time in uh, Capri, we had to get back to Positano because we were going to do this pretty cool cooking class. And our ferry, um, we're a little bit worried our ferry's not going to be able to make it out because there's a storm coming. And I'm talking like a fucking monsoon type of storm. It didn't rain the entire time we were there. We were there except for the morning we had to leave on a boat. And. The storm rolls through, and I'm like, there's no way these motherfuckers are going to let this boat go. But this is Italy. This is not America. They're like, these people paid money. We're not giving that money back. We're not rescheduling this shit. We're going through the storm. So if you remember the boat ride we took in Puerto Rico through that giant fucking wave and the storm and everything else, this was like that times a thousand. And just happened to be that we were on a ferry with... Probably like the only tour is like the only senior citizen tour in all of Italy. And there was hundreds of fucking old people. And I'm talking like 70 and older. And they're all on this boat. And we're all just like the boat's like rocking. Waves are crashing over the boat. There's literally lightning crashing down all around us. And I'm telling you, it's like a 30 minute ferry ride. I thought we were going to fucking die. I thought for sure this boat was going to capsize and you're going to read about me on the news and I was never going to make it. But luckily enough... We got there, and right before we pull into the fucking port to, to dock, this old lady throws up fucking everywhere. And Jen is furious because this lady got up to go to the side of the boat because she thought she had to puke. She doesn't puke, comes back to the center of the boat, immediately pukes. And Jen's like, she should have stayed on the fucking boat. I wish she would have fallen overboard. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jen, it's like an old lady. Just relax. But anyway. As we're trying to get off the boat, we pull up to the dock and they put down this ramp that you have to get off. And they put it onto this like stone platform because they don't really have docks there. They have stone platforms. They put this fucking ramp down and some lady starts to walk out onto it. And then all of a sudden, the waves are just fucking going crazy as we're trying to get off. Tosses this ramp 20 feet into the air with the fucking lady off it, on it. And she goes flying. I'm talking like she went like five feet off the ground on, into like the arms of everyone on the boat. Thank God there were people there to catch her. She could have fucking gone into the ocean. We would have never seen her again. So it took like 20 dudes to hold this ramp down on shore. And they had to carry each one of us off individually while waves are just crashing down on top of them, on top of us, on top of all of our shit. Thank God all my stuff's waterproof because it would have all gotten destroyed. And I'm honestly, like, the, the efficiency these motherfuckers got us off that boat, a round of applause to them, because it was the most impressive fucking shit I ever seen. I have a video of it, if you ever, if you ever run into me and you want to ask me about it. I have a video, doesn't do it justice, but holy fucking hell, it looked like the perfect storm. I thought we were going to die. 
So because this ferry experience, I was a little bit late to the cooking class, but the whole time I was in communication with the guy who was teaching the class. This is really fucking cool guy, Peter John. Now, Peter John lives in Positano, but he grew up in the UK. So his mom was a British woman. His dad was a fisherman in Positano. His family owns like pretty much, I think, like half of like the properties in Positano. So this guy's, I think, doing pretty good for himself. But he was a Michelin chef. So he worked at multiple Michelin restaurants as like the head chef or whatever. And I guess he was like really good friends with Anthony Bourdain. And when Anthony Bourdain killed himself, he decided like, I can't do this anymore. Like if that guy died, like, and like he lived that life, like what am I doing? I have to do something more with these talents that I have than work for some schmuck in this really terrible environment. So he decided to open a cooking class. And his whole thing is he has like a microbiology background. So his whole thing is to teach you about like the science of food and the science of proper food, like handling and and storage and all of the ingredients and everything else. This guy was a a wealth of knowledge. And it was so weird to have an Italian guy who spoke like a limey. He spoke like a fucking perfect British like accent. And he taught me some shit that I've just like I never fucking knew. Uh, one of which was that fact that like truffle oil is the biggest scam in the entire world. He told me about how he went around to like a hundred different places in Italy, which is known for truffle. And he bought like thousands of bottles of truffle oil. And because he's like into microbiology, has a microbiology background, he's got all these connections. He had thousands of bottles tested all at once. And he waited like months for this guy to get back to him. The guy calls him back and he's like, well, not a single one of those bottles. And I'm talking bottles that range from like $10,000 something to like $20. So all different price ranges, thousands of bottles, not one of them had a trace of truffle. They had traces of formaldehyde, traces of feces, all other kinds of terrible shit. Essence of truffle is how they get away with it. It's a fucking scam. So he found this little farmer... And somewhere in the hills of Italy, he's just been making fucking truffles in the dark, probably in dog shit or whatever fucking stuff truffles grow out of. And he found a reliable guy who makes good truffles and developed this extraction process of his own. He spent thousands of fucking dollars to do this. And he serves us the truffle oil. And I'll tell you this, there definitely is a difference in the smell and the taste of whatever he served us versus what I've had in my life. I think this guy might be telling the truth. This whole time I was like listening to him and his whole rants about all these different things. I'm like, either this guy is the most legit motherfucker I've ever met in my life, or he's so full of fucking shit. I like to think that, you know, he's telling the truth and that this shit is actually whack and that truffle oil you can't fucking get. The other thing he told me was that wine in America that comes from Italy is a big fucking scam. Basically, you have these vineyards in Italy that write these contracts with these Americans to buy up all their... So the Americans buy up all the supply of the Italian winery. They import the barrels, and they cut it up with sulfur or uh, sulfides and uh, fucking sugar and all these added preservatives and all this other crap that the wine is unrecognizable by the end. And then they charge you like $60, $80 a bottle because it's a, a product of Italy. So if you're ever buying Italian wine in the store, make sure it says bottled in Italy. Because if it was, if it says product of Italy, it could literally be like me pissing into a bottle. 
Like, that's technically a product of Italy. That's how they get away with it. Big fucking scams out there, guys, in the food industry. But Peter John was a fucking man. Like, there's a little bit too touchy-feely. I mean, I got the sense that maybe he had, like, a little subtle gay in him. Um, He was adamant about me, like, taking off my shirt because it was so wet from all of the... The fairy, th- the fairy incident prior, he gave me a T-shirt. Ironically enough, it was a T-shirt that said Philadelphia on it. Um, but he was he was nice enough to do that, and uh, really cool fucking guy. He, we cooked an entire octopus. We cooked it the right way too, super fucking tender. We cooked this fucking steak that had been aged for like fourteen fucking years or something. We had the legit prosciutto. We had a burrata. We had so much fucking food. And then the guy takes us into his wine cellar, and he there's like eight of us there. And he's like, what kind of wine do you like? And he went around to each person. And he's each person kind of described what they look for in a wine. He pulls like, I'm not kidding you, like 16 bottles of wine off the shelf. And decants every single one of them. And we just get shit-faced. Cooking and eating and cooking and eating. For five fucking hours. It was like the coolest experience of my entire life. And I highly recommend checking this shit out. If you're ever in Positano, you gotta go. He had his like little assistants helping him out. This little like... Italian Harry Potter looking motherfucker who didn't speak a word of English. Fucking coolest experience. Uh, and like the guy is just so cool. He's like very smart and intelligent and eloquent, but then he'll tell you like a dick joke. He like joked there was like middle-aged women there and he's joking about putting uh like the truffle oil on his nipples because it keeps him young or something. Fucking hilarious. This guy was the fucking man. You got to check it out if you're ever in Positano, Peter John's fucking cooking class. I'll hook you up with him. I'm pretty good friends with him. And we've been talking through email because I've got all these questions now. And I'm trying to get uh, him to hook me up with wine. I'm actually going to send him a bottle of Widow Jane. And he's going to send me a bottle of wine. It's a little trade. We're going to figure out how to do that. But check him out. So we ended our Italian leg of the trip by going to Sorrento. Which is a very cool place in and of itself. A lot flatter than Positano. Which was a nice change of pace. And I'd say it's like a much more manageable city. Very small area, a fisher, fishing town. You go down the marina, you watch all the fishermen bring in the fish. It's pretty cool. And uh, w- w- there's a lot of bars. So like it's a good like place to go out and get fucked up. So me and Jen actually went to an Italian bar that had a British bartender, which was weird. And then we like the very next bar we went to was a British pub with an Italian bartender. Go figure. And there's this weird couple from San Diego that I'm pretty sure was trying to like swing with us. So we had to like fucking get out of Dodge for that. And then we got a uh, late night munchies uh, with a waiter that looked like you're on Greyjoy. It was fucking great. Fantastic. Sorrento is really cool though. Lots of shopping, lots of tchotchkes. If you're into that type of stuff, highly recommend eating at Amelia's. Amelia's another like Nona. She's like fucking just cooking you fucking dinner right there in the back. Um, it's perfect, man. Like Sorrento, the perfect way to end your trip. Very relaxing. Uh, beautiful fucking city. Great place to get pizza. Not too far from Pompeii if you wanted to, ever wanted to check that out. But overall in Italy, great trip. Now here's where things went to hell. The next day, we go back to the Naples airport. And the plan is to fly from Naples to Barcelona to JFK to get home. And we fly Iberia Airways, which is a Spanish airline. Um, And, you know, we get to Naples. I go to the little check-in counter because, like, this airline, for some reason, I can't do it on an app, which is really annoying. 
I haven't had to check in at an airport since I was like six years old. I've done everything through like my mobile boarding pass and all that type of shit. So the very fact that I had to, uh, to go check in at a counter was red flag number one. So the lady at the counter, she was really nice, like young Italian lady. She's like, oh yeah, here's your boarding pass for your flight from Naples to Barcelona. But I'm having trouble printing your boarding pass from uh, Barcelona to uh, back to JFK. So when you get to Barcelona, you're just going to have to talk to them there because they'll, they'll, they'll be able to print it for you, no problem. So we check our bags in because you had to check your bag because we had we had we bought so much shit we just checked all of our bags with the liquids in it and everything. So all I had was my my backpack. Get on the plane from Naples to Barcelona, no problem. And my, me and Jen had a plan. We had like a 6-hour layover, so we were like, "You know what? We'll figure out the whole ticket thing when we get back. Let's go out in Barcelona." So we went to this cool market. I uh, highly recommend going to this market. It's like Reading Terminal. Um but probably like twice the size with more crazy shit, like fucking crazy shit. Awesome fucking time. Go back to the airport and uh, try to check in. And the guy fucking laughs at me. Like he doesn't say a word. He just laughs. He's like, there's no flight, no flights to JFK today. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, there was no scheduled flights to JFK. I'm like, okay, well, why does my phone here and this email that I got from your airline confirming my flight, say that there's a flight today. He's like, there's no flight today. And I'm like, look at this email from this morning where you asked me, do I want to upgrade my flight? He had no response. He's like, you got to go over there and talk to the people at uh, the Iberia help desk. So I go over there and immediately the lady just starts, she's like, hates me. The minute I start talking, I don't know why. Probably just because she's like a miserable cunt. I don't think it had anything to do with me being American or anything like that. It's just, she's just a miserable bitch. She treated every person that walked up to that counter like she fucking hated their guts. And I'm explaining the situation to her. I'm like, hey, we had a flight today, had confirmation. Uh, what's going on? Why is, why is this guy telling me there's no flight? And she's like, well, you see, sometimes the flights get rescheduled. And don't worry, you have a flight. Your flight's been rescheduled. It's Saturday, mind you. It's a Saturday afternoon, and she tells me, don't worry, you're taking care of. Your flight's now been rescheduled to Monday at 2 o'clock. I'm like, that's two days from now, bitch. That's not going to work for me. So what the fuck happened? She's like, well, sometimes they get rescheduled. I'm like, who in the fuck, especially being an international traveler, is just going to accept the fact that you moved a flight, didn't tell me at all, didn't get an email notification, didn't get a phone call, a text message. I checked spam. I checked everything. No fucking communication from these people whatsoever that there was a change in my flight time. And I've never heard of an airline moving a flight two fucking days. Two fucking days. Who the fuck does that? That doesn't make any fucking sense. So I explained to the woman, like, I have to go home. I have to get home. You cannot fucking tell me that my flight's in two days. So I keep yelling at this woman until the supervisor comes out supervisor is a little bit nicer he's a little bit more reasonable so i'm explaining the situation now to this guy and he's like yes 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 i understand uh sometimes what happens is uh the flights get moved so it's not that it was canceled it was just that it was moved and i'm like that doesn't make any sense but sure what are you going to do to get me home motherfucker what flight can you get me on can you get me into philadelphia can you get me into newark get me home and they're like no no we can't do anything like that the best we can do is we can get you a flight to uh to go home to JFK tomorrow. And I'm like, whatever. 
Got to accept it. Because at least it's a Sunday. I can get home in time for work. So you would think the fact that they fucked me and I'm stranded here now at the Barcelona airport, that they would fucking hook me up with a hotel. And they explained to me that we can only do that in the event of a cancellation. And technically, this was a reschedule. So I'm just kind of like, that doesn't make any sense, motherfucker. Like, you canceled my flight and you, you're you giving me a different flight. What is the fucking difference? He's like, well, technically, it's a reschedule. So I fight with this guy for literally, I'm not kidding you. We were there at this fucking stand for five hours fighting with this guy. And he's like, oh, well, I'll tell you what I can do. I'll I'll talk to my supervisor. So while he's doing that, we have to go fucking get our baggage. And because it didn't go to JFK, there was no flight for it to fucking go on. So it's just sitting down there. Apparently, the whole time we were out gallivanting in Barcelona, my luggage was just spinning around the goddamn carousel. So they fucking took it away. I had to go to, down to baggage claim. They tell me, oh, there's nothing we can do to help you. You got to go back up to the help desk. I go back up to the help desk. They say, you got to go back down to uh, the lost baggage people. Go down to the lost baggage people. Lost baggage people tell me, you got to go back to the Iberia baggage people. Go back to the Iberia baggage people where I fucking started. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have your luggage. Let me send it up the carousel. 20 fucking minutes later, it comes spinning off some carousel. Thank God I have my fucking bags now. Uh, I go back up to Iberia customer service, and the guy's still waiting on an answer from his, from his manager. So what do I do? Like any normal person, I call Iberia's customer service line. Because what do you do when you have a problem with something? You call customer service, right? So I have international calling. I'm more than capable of making international calls. I've been doing it the whole trip. I call the number for Iberia that's listed on their website. Rings once, clicks off. I tried this several times. Rings off, uh, rings once, clicks off. And I'm just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I found a U.S. number for Iberia. Called that one. Got through to somebody. Here's what they told me. Well, technically it was a reschedule. So we can't hook you up with a hotel. And even if we could... They have to do that there at the airport. And I'm like, okay, well, they're refusing to do it. And they're telling me that I have to actually call the customer service desk to open a complaint. And they're like, well, actually, that's not true. You have to file a complaint on our website. There's a complaint form. So we hang up the phone with customer service. I start to fill out the complaint form. The complaint form doesn't work. You fucking enter your thing. It goes nowhere. It's like the site crashes the minute you try to submit. Or you get an error message. No matter what we did, we tried like 20 fucking times to enter a complaint couldn't get to go through. So what do I do? Call back customer service. And I say, listen, can you just file open the complaint for me? Because I can't seem to get your website to work. They're like, well, unfortunately, sir, no, that's not how it works. We have to, uh, you have to do it online. And then that puts you into a queue. And then we can, we can service your complaint. I'm like, your complaint form doesn't work. And we went around in circles for hours. And Jen tried calling a different person. And literally after two hours, we got nowhere. We were like, fuck that going back up to the Iberia help desk, and I'm going to make this motherfucker open a complaint form for me. So I go up there, and I try to get them to open up the complaint form for me, and they tell me, you have to go online to fill out a complaint form. I'm like, I've already tried, motherfucker. Pull up the website. Pull it up right now. And I have them pull it up. He refuses to enter it because he knows it doesn't work. He knows the fucking website doesn't work, and he won't enter the fucking complaint for me right there on his computer. So I'm like, okay, well, I want to show you what happens when I try to call your fucking international number for Iberia, which is your main hotline for a customer service, because he's like, well, you're going to have to call customer service and explain to them that it's not working. I'm like, okay, well, I called the U.S. number. He's not helping me. He's like, well, that's that, I don't know anything about a U.S. number. Call, our, call this number. It gives me the number. One ring, fucking click. Doesn't work. So what would I do? I put it on fucking speaker in front of this fucking motherfucker, 
And I'm like, listen, this is what happens when I call your customer service line. One, one ring, click, nothing fucking happens. And he's like, well, it must be your cell phone. So he's like, you can try calling from a payphone. I'm like, you want me to try calling from that fucking payphone over there that's got fucking weird Spanish symbols on it and I don't understand what it means at all? Sure, let me go over there. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking make it so loud that you can fucking hear it. Go to the payphone, fucking call the number, one ring, click. I'm like, motherfucker, what do I do? How do I open the goddamn complaint form? How do I fucking get some fucking customer service here, you stupid motherfucker? So despite the fact that I'm fucking furious, I try to be calm, and I tell the lady... And this man, who had been standing there for hours with me, like, listen, here's all I want to happen. I want you to put me in a hotel so I can go to bed and wake up, take my flight home, and that's it. And I never want to have to deal with Iberia again. That's all I want. And the woman there, sitting there, has the fucking balls to tell me, well, sir, there's a website. Look here. She turns her screen around. She starts showing me the goddamn complaint form again. I'm just like, you fucking cunt. You can't get it through your head. Your complaint form doesn't fucking work. So after fucking hours of this stuff, I'm just like, get your fucking supervisor now. And the guy's just like, okay. He's like, well, you see, I can't actually call him. And I'm like, how can you not call your goddamn supervisor? He Is, does, is there a person? Does he exist? Is this the fucking Wizard of Oz? Is there just a man behind a curtain and that's it? Is that? Are you the guy? Are you the fucking Wizard of Oz, motherfucker? Hook me up with a hotel. And he's like, I can't. I got to get authorization from my boss. So he tells me, I just emailed him. I emailed my boss. Because apparently you can't make a phone call in Iberia because the chain of command is non-existent. And finally, after like five fucking hours of this shit, he comes back out and he tells me, sorry, no luck. He didn't authorize it. So I just, I walk away defeated. I'm not giving up, fellas, though. I'm going to get my money back on this one. I'm going to figure out a way to fucking do it. Um... I'm not going to eat the cost of the hotel I had to get. But thank God there was even hotel availability left. We had to have called like 19 hotels. And on the very last one we called, this very nice man who was just a, he was like our saint that night. He was like super, super nice, super understanding of what was going on, hooked us up with a hotel room, pretty reasonable rate, pretty nice hotel. I mean, is an airport hotel is like a best Western, but man, those people were so fucking nice. Some of the nicest people I met on this trip. And so I just want to give a big shout out to those people who got us the hotel room. And then the next day, you know, we sleep at the hotel. We get up at like five in the morning. I have to, I mean, and like the worst part of this is I couldn't even get a direct flight home. Now I have to take a flight from Barcelona to Madrid, from Madrid to JFK. And when I get to the Madrid airport, there's so much fucking security. It's like they were like, oh my God, we don't want you to leave the fucking country. I couldn't believe it. I had to go through like nine different checkpoints just to get to my plane. And then when we're finally on the plane, we're finally on our way home, Jen's just like, I can't even sleep because she's so worked up about this whole experience. So all she wanted to do was go on her phone because the whole trip, she didn't really have service. So she wanted to fucking go on her phone. So she purchases the in-flight Wi-Fi. She's using it for like 10 minutes and then the fucking Wi-Fi stops. And I thought Jen was going to fucking kill somebody. We flagged down the flight attendant, and I just very calmly, because I know Jen's not going to be calm if she says it, very calmly explained to him, listen, my wife paid $30 for the full flight uh, full flight availability of Wi-Fi, and it's no longer working. And he's like, well, uh, did you try like doing it again? I'm like, I don't want to get charged again for Wi-Fi. Can you reset it somehow? And he's like, no, there, I can't. I'm like, okay, well, can you just refund us the money then for the Wi-Fi that she paid for? And he's like... You're not going to believe this. 
Well, you can go onto our website, Iberia.com, and file a complaint. I'm like, motherfucker, no goddamn fucking complaints. The complaint form doesn't fucking work. I lost my goddamn mind on this flight attendant. I explained to him this entire fucking ordeal. And I'm like, does anybody at Iberia give a fucking shit about their customers? Because apparently there is no Iberia corporate. There is no complaint form. There's no customer service. You're the only fucking person I can talk to. You're the only person I can actually use words to communicate with. And I can hardly do that because you fucking hardly speak English. And I like literally went off on this guy. And he's just like, I'm so sorry, sir. I feel so bad. Like, I, I wish there was something I can do, but there's nothing I can do. I am so sorry. So I just, we just threw our hands up and we're like, that's it. Iberia wins. We're defeated. And then just while we're down, just while we're down, to just kick us right when we were down, this motherfucker comes back like 20 minutes later. And he's like, listen, I feel so bad about what's happened. I just wish, man, I just wish there was something I could do. But I'm hoping that this makes you feel a little bit better. And he hands us these two bags. They say Iberia on it. It looks like a little, like a travel bag. Like a little like, uh, you know, like what you put your toiletries in. I open it up. And inside is a toothbrush, floss, and some socks. All from Iberia. So, not only did they just fucking ruin the entire trip home that I had, they add insult to injury by giving me a goddamn bag filled with fucking floss, a toothbrush, and socks. And I'm not even, they weren't even nice socks. They were like socks your grandfather would wear. So the moral of this story is I'm never, ever going to do a connecting flight again. I'm never, ever going to fly a foreign airline again. And before I do fly any airline, I'm going to make sure that they actually have a functioning customer service network because I will never go through this experience again, the worst experience of my entire life. Anyway, this podcast is brought to you by Iberia Airlines, the worst airline in the goddamn fucking world. Well, that's enough about me and my vacation. I'm sorry I took up so much time. I just, I think it's interesting to talk about these things, and I, uh, there's some pretty cool stories in there, so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but we did have fantasy football. That is the point of this podcast, and a lot of good stuff happened while I was gone. I kind of feel like maybe I should just have stayed away because my team did so much fucking better while I was away than while I'm actually fucking here. And it's so hard to maintain your squad when you're international because, you know, you're you're on vacation. You're not really, like, focused on it. You can't even get the games, which sucks. Uh, I got to watch the fucking Eagles game from the airport, like I mentioned. But um, I actually did miss most of the Eagles game. I caught, like, the maybe, like, the second quarter on. Um, all from my fucking phone, though, which sucks. Um, but the worst part about traveling really is that you don't have football. And that's that's really the shitty part for me. So now, because I was out, we got two fucking weeks of matchups to cover. Um, so let's get right fucking into it. That's goddamn right, baby. We're back to football. That's what I'm talking about. All right, week four. First matchup we had was our commish taking on Mighty Mook. The commish didn't have his best showing, but Mighty Mook, not a strong team this week. 117.8 commish takes down Mighty Mook. Uh, 117.8 to 101.3. In our next matchup, we had Christian McFarter taking on Booger McFartland in what was the battle of the two top teams from the divisions. Um, Christian McFarter, Zifo, gets the win, 115.65 to 67.95. Joe's team fell off a fucking cliff in week four. Not sure what happened. 
Then we had the Chennai Headnighters taking on Game of Jones in a battle that just was stinky as my ass when I shit myself in Venice. Uh, Stein gets his first win of the season, 96.9 to BJ is 87.05. And then in the shock of the fucking week, Mark takes down the King of Jetro, posting MVP level status points, 157.25 to Jake's 126.1. And then in our final matchup of that week, we had Zach Maron taking down Yo Soy Dave, 128 to 110.15. So those were your week four matchups. And Mark, um, with his MVP, his first fucking MVP, I think he actually lucked out. But yes, he was your MVP of week four. So we're going we're gonna to talk about it and give him credit. And he was the proud winner. Of $5 cash money, which he will retain because we did not have the opportunity to negotiate the commissioner's challenge. But good for him. And we'll get to that in just a moment here when we review week five. And with that, let's fucking do it again. Yeah, baby. Week five. One of the highest scoring weeks, I think, collectively in founding fodder fantasy football history. In our first matchup. The commish put a fucking whooping on Steino. 169.7 to 98.6. Two players with 50-plus points. Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller connecting every fucking play of the goddamn game, it felt like. In our next matchup, we have Booger McFartland. Joe taking down Mighty Mook, posting a very impressive score of his own, bouncing back from that shitty week. 163.4 to Mike's 146.05. So Mike's turning it around, but just runs into a tough opponent. Then we got Christian McFarter taking down the King of Jetro. The King of Jetro falling off a little bit here, but Zifo continues to roll 151.35 to 107.85. And then Mark. Mark, back-to-back -back weeks of very strong performance. Takes down Dave 160.8 to 125.35. And in our final matchup, we had... The SCLSU Mud Dogs, led by Zach Marone. Taking down Game of Jones, who's been slipping as well. Uh, Zach over BJ, 127.7 to 99.4. So those were your matchups for week five. And uh, with 169.7 <laughs> points, your commissioner is your MVP and the proud winner... <laughs> five dollars cash money now as i mentioned mark lucked out because had mark taken me on in the commissioner's challenge this week he would have lost because i'm the mvp and you would have lost your money bro so just enjoy that money you pocketed i don't know what to do now in this situation how does the commissioner challenge himself i guess he can't so i guess i just have to pocket the money and run unless i just take that five dollars and i just put it right into a fan duel thing and then boom more money so maybe that's what i'll do um, you got to spend money to make money, you know? That's what gambling's about. That's the beauty of gambling. Speaking of gambling, I'm taking a little bit of gambling this week on our rankings, but to have rankings, I guess you fucking... Unless you've got power! <laughs> Here we go. Number 10. Coming in at number 10, sitting in the basement, in a familiar spot, apparently. One and four, one game losing streak now, Steino. Stein, um, get it together, bud. 
figure it out because uh, two years in a row of shooting you in a Trump mask, it's going to be unfortunate, but it's looking that way right now. It's a battle between you and Mike for the bottom spot right now. Hopefully one of you can turn it around. Praying for you both. I am. If I was a praying man, but I'm not. I'm definitely not. Stein to 10. Number nine. Number nine is his buddy in crime, sitting also close to paintball contention. Now losing two in a row is Mike at one and four. So Mike also struggling this year. Uh, Baker didn't study playbook. He ain't too good. Baker looked miserable uh, in that game on Monday night. One of the worst Monday night games ever, and I have to say while I'm on the air that ESPN is the absolute worst at broadcasting fucking football. They shouldn't even be allowed to. It's terrible. Just as terrible as uh, the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. So Mike comes in at number nine. Number eight. At number eight, uh, after a pretty decent start, loses two games, Uncle BJ, sitting at two and three. Uh, posting some weak numbers in the last few weeks. Uh, can BJ figure it out? Can he turn it around? I think he can. He's a good manager. And I expect more from BJ's squad. This could just be a blip on the radar. What might become a better season? But for right now, BJ sits at eight. Number seven. Coming in at number seven, probably the biggest surprise so far this season. It's just on a three-game skid. After a hot start, started 2-0, lost three games. Jake. Coming in at two at uh, number seven at two and three. Uh, I don't know what happened to King of Jetro. Probably a little too much nitrous. He was talking a lot of shit too earlier in the year, and now it's not looking so good for him. Um, will he be able to turn it around, figure it out? We've seen him be able to put up big numbers in the past. Can he get back to winning form? I think he needs to bring back the casket, if you ask me. But for now, King of Jetro, number seven. Number six. Coming in at number six. Things not going his way the last few weeks on the two-game skid is Dave at two and three. Um, very much in contention, still in the playoff picture. Um, posting up some decent numbers, running into some tough opponents. It's just the way uh, kind of thing things go sometimes in fantasy football. But if anyone can turn it around, it's Dave. He's feeling pretty good about his squad. Thinks he's got it together this year. But for now, number six. Number five. At number five. After a really fucking abysmal start, just coming out bursting in the last two weeks, two wins in a row, posting up some crazy numbers. Mark, Mark moving way up in the power rankings, trying to get himself into contention in that weak Jew division. Jew division's not very good. And at two and three, he's very much in contention in this league that's really not looking great right now. A lot of, uh, lot of losing records out there. But hey, five games through the season, it's anybody's game still. All these fucking rankings can mean nothing by the time we're all it's all said and done. Mark's starting to figure it out, turning it around, finding himself in the number five spot in the commission's power rankings. Number four. Coming in at number four, um, probably uh, a better squad, I think, than he appears, is your commission. One is last two, uh, now at three and two. I think I've run into a few tough opponents early on Things didn't go my way a few weeks, but still sitting all right. And I'm battling with a lot of injuries. Saquon's out. Brandon Cooks is now in concussion protocol. Uh, my bench is abysmal. Uh, but, you know, the starting starting lineup's got some firepower. So if I can just figure it out, I'm a B.I. 
I'm a B.I. The Commish coming in at number four. Number three. Coming in at number three. Maybe the hottest team in the league right now. Uh, Four-game winning streak. After losing his first matchup, came out and won four straight fucking games. Sitting in perfect position right there in the Jew division at 4-1. Zach Maron. Zach was a guy last year who I gave a lot of shit to because he was piss poor managing his team. It's like once once he felt like he was out of the race, he just stopped paying attention. And I, I harped on him for Sounders and everything else. He's been coming with Sounders. Zach's, in, Zach's engaged this year, guys, so you got to watch out. Here comes Zach Maron at number three. Number two. Number two, bouncing back after just a abysmal week uh, with 60-something points last week. Gets it done this week with a very impressive performance uh, to add to some of his many impressive performances this year. Um, at 4-1 is Jove. Jove, uh, you got a little help with the back end of your squad in the draft this year, uh, including Sam, Mr. Mono Darnold, uh, who may pan out as a, as a solid option. I don't even know if you dropped him or not yet, but yeah, you're welcome for that, buddy. But number two, sitting on top of the Gentile division, Commission nipping at your heels. Here I come. Better uh, hold on tight. It's going to be a close finish. But for now, Jof sits on top of the Gentile division and at number two in our power rankings. Number one. At number one in a very familiar spot. Always in contention. Always putting up points. Always doing his thing. Zifo at four and one. Two-game winning streak at hand. Zifo's just putting us all to shame, guys. Putting up points, winning games, fucking bitches, smoking ciggies. That's what Zifo does. Um, them's your power rankings. Hope you're happy with them. Good luck to you all this week in your matchups. We've got some good ones this week. We've got the commission taking on BJ in a battle in the Gentile division. We've got Jove taking on the King of Jetro. King of Jetro trying to get it back together. Um, Stein taking on Yo Soy and Dave. Um, Stein trying to get out of paintball contention, sitting in that last spot. We've got Mark. In a battle in the Jew division, looking to continue to roll against another hot team in Zach Moran in what may be our game of the week. And then Christian McFarter, Zifo taking on Mike, who is desperate for a win. So them's your matchups for this week, week six. Um, we've got a pretty big Eagles game coming up this weekend against Minnesota. Tough fucking matchup. I think if we can get to Kirk Cousins early, we're going to shut that motherfucker down. If there's one thing I know about Kirk Cousins is that he's a soft little cunt. He's a soft little bitch. And if you can hit him and rattle him early, you're in his head. You've got real estate in there for the rest of the game. So it's all about getting to him. You saw us get to a, a fucking guy I, I fucking never even heard of at quarterback last week against the Jets. Uh, they tried some different things on defense. They ran Brandon Graham inside. Maybe that's what it'll take to get this shit going. We went from having no sacks to 11 of them or 10 of them, whatever it was. That's a lot of sacks. That's more sacks than we have in this league. Get it? All right, let's go to the soundboard. As always, it's my favorite part of the podcast where you guys check in. Let me know what the fuck's going on. Give me your thoughts and opinions. So well, let's go to our man Dave first. Brent, good to have you back. We missed you, pal. Sorry to hear that your travels were a little shaky on the way home. But that's what these airlines do, you know? They want to keep you in the airport as long as possible. So they overbook on purpose. They give you a voucher, make you feel like you're getting something in return. It really doesn't mean much because you end up just spending more money anyway. 
that, you know, the thing is, there's nothing more valuable than your time. Your time is everything. It's way more valuable than money. So when an airline fucks you out of time, that's what hurts more than the money. The money's just like them just twisting the knife in the side. Oh, man, I wasted so much fucking time. And that's what pisses me off. And I missed I missed a Birds game that I'll never get back. And I've watched it since. But it's not the same, you know. You want to be there when it's happening. It's bullshit. Fuck airlines, dude. Let's go to Butch. Yo, Uncle Butch here. I'm telling you what, boys. Feeling a little defeated. Three, uh, three leagues this year and just getting cucked in every fucking one of them. It's fucking fantasy sucks. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, founding farters. I think we're going on week six and, uh, I'm about to start my, uh, sixth different quarterback. Cause, yeah. Didn't really draft a good one and been kind of just fucking pissing in the wind ever since. But, yeah, I'm not giving up. Hopefully, my team pulls together. See what happens. Just trying not to get paintballed, you know? That's like the, uh, the pedestal. I don't. I don't want to fucking get paintballed. Be nice to win, but I just don't want to get paintballed. All right. Yeah, I'm out. Getting paintballed probably fucking sucks. I, I agree. The goal ultimately is it's to win, but it's also to not get paintballed. There's two goals in this league. Um, one is like the ultimate glory. The other is the ultimate shame. You don't want to be on the shame side. But BJ, if you can fucking figure out how to just like go a week to week with a quarterback. I think your team could be pretty good. And I think you I think you could do it. I really do. I got a lot more faith, I think, in Uncle Butch's team than he does. Uh, so there's your commission's prediction. Pretty fucking stone right now. Took a big old bull rip in between uh, takes here. Let's go back to Dave. One thing I noticed, I was at Wawa the other day. People put straws through their coffee lids. I don't really understand that in the slightest. Like, are they going to be the slightest bit all right? Just fucking drink the coffee. You're going to put a little straw through the lid? What the hell's wrong with you? You know what I think that is? I think it's one of those, like, this is something batches do. We put a straw in a coffee so we don't stain our teeth with the coffee. Like, that's what that's their mentality. That's why they do that, I think. It's so stupid. Just I agree. Just drink your coffee. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be, like, sucking down on that straw, and it's going to, like, fucking inhale into their, like, throat, and they're going to choke. That's going to be how they die. Just fucking drink your coffee. Let's go to ML. Brent, I don't really have much to say, man. The team stinks. It's just a race to the bottom, you know? Who's going to get there first? On paper, I'm decent. But in reality, I'm garbage. Joe for the fucking crazy comeback. A bunch of garbage yards and a bunch of bullshit from Dak and the crew. Sucks when Dallas players uh, make you win. I know Joe feels that pain, but race to the bottom between me, Mark, and uh, well, I guess Mark won. So me and Stein race to the bottom. Um, sucks, dude. I would rather lose fantasy for the rest of my life than come in last place in this league and get paintballed. It's just something about it. I just don't want it to happen. But we're gonna see how these next few weeks play out. Yeah, man. Um. Losing to Cowboys players, I'll talk to that point first. Um, I wouldn't feel terrible at all. I, in fact, like I won a championship on the, on the shoulders of Ezekiel Elliott, so I didn't. I don't feel an ounce of guilt about that. 
that fantasy football is a is a game of numbers. It's not a game of fandom. You know what I mean? If you really want to win, you got to separate those two things. And uh, I have no. I don't fucking care what team you're on. You can come play for me. I don't care if you've done some terrible things. If you can put up points, yeah, you can play for my squad. There's no like moral code or judgment or anything on these uh, fantasy squads. Um, and to your second point, yeah, paintball is the ultimate shame. You don't want to have that happen. Um, it hurts. It's like you wear your pain. You wear the pain of coming in last place. That's why it's a terrible punishment. Um, and I agree with what Dave said one time. Like, if once everybody's been paintballed, we should probably talk about this policy. But until then, like, now that one person suffered through it, multiple people have suffered through it, we have to, we have to I think, at least at least get to that point. I agree. Um, uh, let's go, uh, speaking of Dave, let's go back to Dave. Mark, good week, man. 160 points. I mean, I thought I had a pretty great week. I mean, I don't know what else I can do. 125 should be enough to get you a win on any given Sunday. But, you know, Mark's team just had to go off this week, didn't it? Don't sleep on Mark's squad. I think he's, uh, you know, making us think his team stinks. And then he's going to come out of nowhere and win the league. Again. You know, that can, he could be right. Mark's trying to make a run right now. Which team are we? Like, that's that point we are at in the season. What team are all of us? I think I think Joe and, and Fox have separated themselves as teams that are, like, they're good teams. I think Zach Morong is on the cusp of that conversation with fucking four straight wins. But, like, teams like me... Teams like Mark, Dave, Jake, BJ. What are we? Are we good teams or bad teams? And then Mike and Stein, I think, are just bad teams. That's just the facts. Let's go back to Mike. I wish I had more sounders for you, man. But as a defeated man, it's just like, I don't know. I just can't get my head together, you know? It's like, it's not all rainbows and cupcakes when you're looking down the barrel of a fucking paintball gun. Um, Wish it was, but... You know, we'll see how this week's plays out. Not very happy. Yeah, man. I feel your pain. Not really, though. Um, but I can imagine. I can imagine what it would be like. But I won't I won't pretend to know it, that, that I know. I've been close to paintball contention a few times, but never, never as close, I think, as you are right now. So I can't exactly, you know, feel your pain. But I can put myself into that perspective. It doesn't sound good. This is a very gloomy podcast about getting paintball. You know, it turned really quick. I think everybody's like, everybody's thinking about that. Because Stein's this year was so violent. It was the most violent one I think I can remember. Because Dave was so evasive. The ones he got were just like very like memorable. And there wasn't very many of them. He like did a good job avoiding them. Joe, I think, I think he did the same thing. Like, or that, that or we were like shitty shots. Stein just like couldn't move. He's a target. We shot him a lot. A fucking lot. It's props to Stein, though, for taking it like a man. We got one last sounder. It's from our boy Zach. Zach Marone, what you got? So let's talk about everyone's favorite holiday. Yom Kippur. The Jewish Day of Atonement. Where you're supposed to fast all day and go to services and do all that shit. Well, I took off work. Because I need people at work to think that I'm Jewish and that I take off on all the Jewish holidays because, you know, 
free days off. And what I did instead was just stay home, got up in the morning, ate breakfast, worked out a bit, played video games, hung out with the dogs. And it was amazing. I didn't reflect on my sins, really, which you're supposed to do. But, you know, I engaged in what some might consider sins. Drinking some some beer right now. Smoking some bud. Is that really that sinful, though? I don't think so. I think I did what my ancestors would have wanted. I think your ancestors would have wanted you to have self-enlightenment. That's all that drinking and smoking is. It's just numbing the pain of knowing that you're going to die. Or whatever the fuck it is that causes this anxiety. Anyway, um, happy Yom Kippur. I forgot that that was uh, here this uh, this week. Is it a multi-day affair? I don't really know anything about Jewish holidays, guys. I'm sorry. I should know more. I just know that they exist and they're important. And we should talk about it or, or, or whatever. Um, that's it for Sounders this week. Um, the podcast is, uh, pretty much done. I'm not going to go on anymore. Let's try to wrap this up before an hour and 30 minutes, huh? What do you say? This has been a long one. Um, uh, so sorry for the ranting in the beginning. Um, pretty excited about being back, watching football. Um, it's going to be a good weekend. I feel good about the birds. Birds by like, birds by, birds by 10. Birds by 10. Talking dish with your commission. See you next time. Give me some brew and I might just chill. But I'm the type that likes to light another joint like Cypress Hill. I still feel these spit loogies when I puff on it. I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it. Go get the S T I D E S. Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh, rolling joints like a cigarette. So pass it across the table like ping pong. I'm gone. Beating my chest like King Kong. It's on. Wrap my lips around the phony. And when it comes to getting another stogie, fools all kick in like Shinobi. Know me ain't my homie to begin with. It's too many heads to be. Probably let my friend hit bit. Unless you pull out the fat crispy. Five dollar bill on the real before it's history. Cause fools be having them vacuum lungs. And if you let them hit it for free, you hella dumb. I come to school with a tailor on my earlobe. Avoiding all the thick teasers, skeezers, and weirdos. Got me throwing off the land like where the bomb at. Give me two bucks, you take a puff and pass my bomb back. Suck up the dank like a slurpee. The serious bomb will make a nigga go delirious like Eddie Murphy. I got more growing pains than Maggie. Cause homies nag me to take the dank out of the bag. I'm so keyed up till the joint be burning my hand. Next time I roll it in a hamper to burn slow so the ashes won't be burning in my hand, bruh. The soldiers get hit, but they know they got a pitch and then I roll a joint that's longer than your extension. Cause I'll be damned if you get high off me for free. Hell no, you better bring your own slip cheap. What's up, don't babysit that? Better
the pastor joint Stop hitting cause you know you got asthma Crack the body open homie and guzzle it Cause I know the weed in my system is getting lonely I gotta take a whiz test of my P.O. I know I feel cause I done smoked major weed bro And every time we with Chris that fool rolling up a fatty But the tango race straight at me Head to the east, hit the stroll to 9 0 so we can roll big high sheets. I wish I could fade the eight, but I'm no budget. Still rolling the two dough, cut the same old bucket. Foggy window, soggy endo. I'm in the land getting smoke with my kid up in smoke. Yeah, just spray your layer down. Up in the OAK, the town. Homies don't play around, we down there, blaze a pound. Then ease up, speed up through the ESO, drink the BSOP up with the lemon squeeze up. And everybody's roller, I'm the roller. That's quick to fold up, blunt out of a bunch of sticky doja. Hold up, suck up my weed, it's all you need, kicking feet. Cause we're IBs, we need to have like a food food. It's not giving its earn, God dog it. Um, I think you just got uh cucked. <laughs>